Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The information depicted in this podcast is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Boost Your Biology podcast. My name is Lucas, and I'm the founder of Ergogenic Health. Together in this podcast series, we will go underground to explore cutting-edge health and human performance insights that you simply cannot search on Google to help you upgrade your existence. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Boost Your Biology podcast. Today's special guest is an expert in nutrition, natural healing modalities, cellular detoxification, nutrigenomics, and preventing disease. Dr. Nick Zarowski, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. So maybe, Nick, do you want to let my listeners know a little bit about your story and and how did you become so interested in uh, natural health and healing? Well, I think very early on, I always had somewhat of an interest in it because I always just thought it was pretty cool. It's like taking things from the earth and healing yourself with it. And it just made a lot of sense. It just clicked in my head. And I'm talking early on as a kid, but then like when I found out how much schooling I'd have to go through, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, not this guy. Right. So then I decided like, no, I'll go a different path. And then it all went full circle and I ended up getting back into it. But one of the things that was a huge moment in my life is that I actually had a younger brother that died from medical malpractice and it was just due to negligence and, you know, the, the negligence of Western medicine more or less. And um, when I saw that happen, I just knew that there was always a better way and kind of that, that 
initial thought process of knowing like, hey, we could actually use things from the earth and heal ourselves and do it naturally. And there's always these better ways. And there's, you know, this like never ending ability of the body to be able to heal itself. That's pretty cool. And so that's why I wanted to go that route. And um, like I said, especially after you've had like a traumatic experience of seeing it, you know, with you know, close to home in your own family where, you know, this whole medicine model of taking pills all the time, when I was able to really witness that firsthand, I knew full well that like that wasn't for me. So I wanted to be a doctor, wanted to help people, but I knew I wanted to do it naturally. And then that really led me here. Now I'd say that what really pushed me hard down the natural route is I also dealt with a lot of my own health struggles. I was in school I was dealing with a lot of brain issues. You know, when you're in school, it's kind of crazy, like what they expect people to go through in order to actually get these degrees. It's almost like ridiculous. You know, you're like taking in a two week period. I remember it's like we were taking, you know, eight lecture tests, eight lab tests. And then on the weekend, we had to do board tests, you know, and the pressure is super high because you pay thousands of dollars to take boards. And so as I was going through all of this, I was struggling with my mental health simply because you know, probably due to all the stress of school leading up into that point, not really following a healthy diet or lifestyle. At this point, I wasn't really privy to that. I didn't grow up with this information. Um, I grew up in just a standard American household eating the standard American garbage diet. And so I was struggling with my own health during that time. And I went to seek help. And the reason I was seeking help, because I was desperate, like I had all of this school all of these tests and my brain wasn't working. Like literally I could study for hours and it was like my brain just checked out, right? So it's like people who experience brain fog, mental fatigue, just midday, their brain turns off. Like that was me. And so as I was going through that, I needed help desperately because I was a lot of money deep into my schooling. I mean, with schooling, you know, not only is it like giving up a huge portion of time in your life, but like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So anyway, I I needed help. And so I went and saw like traditional medicine and they're like, you know, wanted to give me like, you know, your typical medications for improving brain function, right? And like focus, like the same medications they might give somebody who has ADD, ADHD. I was like, that's not for me. It's not for me. So I went down the path of figuring it out on my own, you know, changing my diet and detox and all these things. And, you know, I was able to turn it around on my own, but it caused me to have to like go to a lot of seminars all over the place, learn a lot of different things of a natural healing shadow doctors that I saw that were getting great results. And then I was able to change my own health by doing this, by using natural methods. My mom was struggling with a lot of health issues at the time, because as I mentioned, I'd lost my brother. She had a lot of depression issues and mental health issues as well at the time that were different than mine. I wasn't dealing with depression. I was just dealing with like real problems with my brain functioning and memorization. My mom was dealing with a lot of issues with depression, anxiety, and those kinds of psychological issues. And then I was able to take that same information and help her. And so that's why it like became so interesting to me because you could take somebody who is dealing with this brain issue and this brain issue. And if you really got to the core of healing the brain, guess what? You fixed all of it, right? So it was pretty cool to be able to see that happen. And then of course, after I you know, use these methods on my own. I was like, well, maybe we can, you know, help somebody else. And people started asking me for advice. And there was kids who were suffering with, you know, ADHD and ADD. And, you know, because I just solved my own brain issue, 
I was helping solve their issues. And, and I just saw it work time and time again. And it's the only thing that's ever made sense to me. So, you know, I went all in and um, have been an advocate for it ever since. Mm, yeah. Well, it's a really um, incredible story there. And I think um, I'd love to dive into, I guess, what you think are like the biggest drivers behind why so many people are sick these days. Like, what do you think are like the major contributing factors there? Well, I think there's a lot that are contributing. Okay. First of all, lifestyle. Okay. We have to, you know, just look at the standard lifestyle of people get in their car, they drive to work, they sit in an office all day. They're never out in the sunshine. They're never out in nature. After they sit in their desk all day, they get back in their car and they drive home and they sit on the couch and watch TV. So, you know, people aren't moving. People aren't just doing the basic things that the human body needs. Right. And that's pretty standard. That's pretty standard across the board. So that aspect of it is important, right? So let's just chalk that up to being lack of movement, lack of exercise. But then the next problem is, is that as people are sitting there, they're gulping down, you know, energy drinks one after another, you see how popular, I know you're in Australia and I don't know if it's the same there, but energy drinks here are just crazy. Like, I mean, you go to the grocery store or the gas stations and in, in, in little, they call them party stores here in Michigan. You go to these small convenience stores and there's like rows and rows of energy drinks. Do you see that in Australia too? We have a, yeah, we have a, a quite a big variety as well over here. Yeah. So people are drinking like two, three, 400 milligrams of caffeine in order to just stimulate themselves because they're, you know, lack proper nutrition and proper movement. So they're just stimulating and stimulating their body. And so, you know, nutrition is an enormous factor, but then here's another huge factor that nobody talks about. Right. And this is an enormous factor. And this is just traditional Western medicine. It's an enormous factor. Right. And it starts right at birth. Let me give you an example. So my wife right now is pregnant. We have had all but one of our children's births right at home. And so we had the nurse midwife out today and I asked her some questions just in general about like what happens in this really bad case scenario and what happens in, you know, these situations where you think you have to be in a hospital, how do you handle them? Right. And I have four kids already where my wife's pregnant with the fifth. So like, this isn't something new to me, but I had a patient in my clinic yesterday who was telling me how her first birth was so traumatic and she would never have another kid after that. And I thought to myself, this is crazy, right? Because this problem of healthcare starts right at birth, right? So we've been able to successfully have multiple children born right in the comfort of our home in just every aspect of it was so excellent, right? Like everything about it, the stress level, the quality of the experience, everything, right? Well, when you look at going and birthing a child at home, it costs almost nothing. You go to the hospital, it costs $20,000 nearly, right? Or maybe even more today. But the other thing is, is that there's so much intervention, right? Why do they charge that much? Because they intervene in so many ways, right? Like, we're able to do a home birth for like $3,000, $20,000 for a birth in a hospital system. And then the, the, the outcomes are awful. If you compare the outcomes in a hospital system to birth a child versus the outcomes like in a home birth, it's unbelievable the difference, right? Because the hospitals want to intervene, right? They got to give these kids all these injections. You got this brand new, healthy, perfect baby, all these injections, all these, a lot of times medications and stuff right out of the gate, right? So it starts right there. 
And then you look at the average child's health today, right? These kids are put on antibiotics right out of the gate. These kids are put on all kinds of medications right out of the gate as soon as they get the flu or some little problem, sniffle, sneeze, whatever. And then after that, you know, they're given shots upon shots, far more than they've ever been given at any other point in history, right? And then we see autism rates through the roof. We see all these health problems in children. Food, of course, is not good, right? But then it's like medicate, medicate, medicate and intervene at every step of the way. And finally, you have an adult who's got autoimmune disorders. They have gut issues. They got brain issues. They have every issue that you can think of and who caused a lot of them, right? This is something that drives me crazy is because when I see a lot of patients who have like problems, I know who caused it. It was their doctor. Their doctor put them on steroids, which set off some other, or, or put them on antibiotics, for instance, and it set off an inflammatory reaction and destroyed their gut, right? So these doctors are causing problems. And then guess what? They also have the answer with more medications and medications for life. So it's lifestyle, but it's also just the traditional way that medicine is used. And that's why, you know, I run a clinic and, and, and there's a lot of things in my life where it's like, you know, I kind of go crazy because I have so much going on, but it's like, I, I, I just like refuse to give up on certain aspects and like patient care is one of them. Like I'm at a point where I don't necessarily have the time to do all the patient care that I do, but like, you know what people need it and they're not getting answers. They're not getting answers anywhere else. And so I see the transformations I'm able to have with people and people need that. So that's my long-winded answer to your very small question. <laughs> uh, I think um, you've hit on some really critical points there, Nick. And I think um, more and more people are seeing the narrative and then the more aware of like what's going on. It's people like yourself who, you know, creating content, putting that information out there to educate people and empower people with that knowledge and then give them the opportunity to then like take their health into their own hands. So I'd sort of love to dive deep into, I guess, I know you mentioned um, detoxification as being part of an important process to maintaining, you know, health and longevity. So maybe do you want to sort of touch on that, how the environmental toxins and things like that can affect metabolic function? Yeah, for sure. So with the topic of detox, the first rebuttal that I always get when I talk about detox is people go, you're just trying to, you know, sell something because we have detox organs and our detox organs are going to detox our body. So therefore what you're pitching is garbage, right? Well, reality is we do have detox organs, our colon, our respiratory system, our uh, liver, you know, we, we have lots of detox organs, even your brain has a detox system in it. But the problem is, is that when you actually are at a point where toxins are so high in your body, you actually break these systems. It's scientifically proven, even your brain, like once you get that inflammatory system ramped up in your brain, like whew, it's a negative feedback cycle that pushes more inflammation. And at that point, the detox system is broken, but the same goes for like people's liver, right? We look at fatty liver. It's estimated somewhere around like a hundred million people unknowingly have fatty liver, right? So you look at all these issues and you look at the amount of toxins that are in our regular world today. I mean, even if you're trying to eat healthy, you still come across toxins. So let's just name a few exposures to toxins that most people get regularly. So chemicals in the way of cleaning your home, chemicals that are in your clothing that you're wearing, chemicals that are in your beauty products, chemicals that are all over your food, right? We are in a chemical 
high chemically laden society. Like it's unbelievable, right? Now, if you think of our ancestors primarily 150 years ago, did they come across these chemicals? No. So there is an instance where, you know, if something happened in the way of toxicity, your detox organs could actually solve this crisis of if you, you ate something in nature and you needed to survive it. Well, now you're just covered in toxins. I mean, they found to- like hundreds of toxins in umbilical cord blood in mother's breast milk. So it's happening like right out of the gate. And then of course, as an adult, you know, what people are doing and consuming, it just gets worse, right? Because at least we have some sort of standard for children, but as an adult, people are doing like anything and everything. So we end up having this huge amount of toxic exposure consistently. And then after that, what happens is it builds up and it causes health problems, right? And so then you start seeing people with autoimmune disorders and gut disorders and brain disorders and liver problems. And okay. And then we just look at general symptoms, right? Like, man, I'm tired all the time. I can't sleep at night. And I have all these weird symptoms. I got rashes showing up on my skin. All these breakdowns start to happen. So what we do with detox is essentially we go in and we do a deep cellular detox. Okay. So If you look at detoxes out there, and this is where most people are very skeptical, right? There's detox teas and, you know, these liver cleanses and kidney cleanses and colon cleanses. There's every type of detox gimmick out there. And I get it, right? And so what's different about what we're doing is we're actually using like a whole system to detox, to take the organs that are responsible for detoxing, ramp those organ systems up, get them functioning at a higher level. And then after that, after we support the detox organs and get them working correctly, what we do is we actually use different nutrients, specifically design multiple detox mechanisms, not only within the cell, but within the brain. And as you kind of trigger all of that and you get all of that functioning back and restore the ability for the body to detox, then it's unbelievable the results you can get from it, right? And it's literally just going right to the root cause of the problem. And that's the cell, right? People's cell becomes unhealthy. It becomes toxic. The mitochondria, which is the energy system in the cell doesn't work anymore. And things just literally break down one after another. And then after you have all of that breakdown within the cell, then you're in a position where things don't work like they should. And so what we do is we work to actually restore cellular energy, decrease inflammation, fix the cell membrane. And when we really break down this detox to going right towards a cellular level, it is focused on detoxing the entire body, not just the kidneys, the colon or the liver. It's everything. Yeah. And I think um, what's really important, what you mentioned there is the fact that there are multiple organs responsible for detoxification, not just the liver. So then I, obviously utilizing interventions that support each organ upregulating the enzymes and pathways in these organs is really critical. Um, and I'm really glad that you also spoke about mitochondrial function. So maybe, cause I know a lot of my listeners, they love talking about like improving energy and, mm-hmm. and vitality. So maybe do you want to explain like, you know, what are the mitochondria and like, how can we support healthy functioning mitochondria? Yeah, well, that's a good question. And so I think that like 
one of the things that we're tricked on a lot of times in just general nutrition and, you know, slick marketing is that you just take this one pill and this one pill solves your problem, right? These things never work, right? There's never just one thing, right? It's always like a puzzle trying to go through this health journey and piece yourself back together once you're broken. And with the mitochondria, the mitochondria are responsible for producing energy within the body. And if you look at people in general, as I mentioned before, most people are pretty fatigued, right? When you have to get out of bed in the morning and slam the coffee before you can even get your body to like turn on and function, like that's a problem. When you go throughout the day and you can't get through anything, you can't even get through the afternoon without a 200 milligram caffeine booster energy drink, that's a problem. If you can't go and do a workout, like without an energy booster, it's a problem. So most people are very fatigued. And one of the reasons for this is because mitochondrial dysfunction, right? So it really comes back down to this detox, right? So if we have the cell, the cell has a cell membrane that becomes inflamed. You can't get the good nutrients in and out of the cell. But also if you look at the cell itself, even within the cell membrane, you have the mitochondria, which has a membrane and you have, you have all these components of the cell that start to break down and not function. So if the mitochondria is not functioning correctly, then you cannot produce energy. It's that simple. So our goal is to restore that cellular energy through restoring mitochondrial function. And in order to restore the mitochondrial function, you also have to look at other aspects of the cell itself. So it's a complex system in order to go in and do so. But like the good news is, is that when you do these detoxes, they're put together to be very simplified. Like I, I actually have a system where I have a program on it and you, you get the supplements in the program and you just go through it. So it's like, if somebody's wanting the detox, it can do it very easily where it's like, leave it to the PhDs and the biochemists and, you know, the people who are really, really smart in these areas to figure that out. And then you're able to use these systems when they've been proven, shown to work scientifically and get results that way. Mm, Awesome. Yeah. I'll make sure to leave those linked in the show notes for those listening in as part of the mitochondrial picture and improving energy production, something else that ties in closely with this is insulin resistance. So maybe did you want to explain to my listeners, you know, how would you go about recovering and or reversing some degree of insulin resistance? Yeah. With insulin resistance, the big part of it is diet. Okay. Like if, if you're not, and this is health in general, right? Like if you're not willing to do the diet in a lot of ways, you're wasting your time. I'm not going to say that you can't do supplementation and still get great results, but the number one key that you have to solving this crisis is actually fixing your diet. Okay. I'm not saying diet is the only thing you should do too, because it's about fixing your diet, but then also going in and going after the inflammatory component and, and, and trying to heal the cell receptor and everything else. So insulin resistance, is simply you ate too much sugar for a long period of time. We're talking like, you know, type two diabetes type of insulin resistance. So you ate too much sugar, you ate too many carbs for a long period of time. You didn't move, you didn't exercise, your body's inflamed. And all of a sudden you consume a meal and let's say that meal has a lot of sugar in it your body loses the ability to put that sugar into the cell to be utilized and even maybe even store it. So what happens is you are in a situation where your blood sugar just goes crazy because your body cannot handle the sugar anymore. And so what 
you have to look at is a couple things. You eat this high sugar meal, blood sugar goes up, pancreas pushes out all this insulin. The insulin's incapable of putting it into the cell because the receptors no longer work correctly. And then your blood sugar stays up. That's insulin resistance. It's that simple. And so how do you solve it? First of all, stop eating all the sugar. Second of all, work on reducing inflammation in the body, start exercising and use some supplementation in order to help overcome this issue. You know, like one of the things I use quite often in my practice is berberine, right? That's something that you can use that's literally been proven to be more effective than metformin. And it's phenomenal, right? So we can use that. It's found in nature. We'll use that along with, you know, all kinds of other nutrients as well, cinnamon and minerals like chromium and, you know, fenugreek and all kinds of different things. So we use a lot of different nutrients in order to help bring down the blood sugar and lower the inflammation level as well. But the good thing is, is that you can reverse it. And many doctors don't tell people that, but you can take control of this issue and you can reverse it and you can do it very effectively. Now, depending on the level of insulin resistance you face, it depends how your life will be after you reverse it, right? So you take somebody, for instance, who has been on a drug, like a pharmaceutical, like metformin, and they've been consuming high amounts of sugar, just taking this band-aid pill in order to keep their blood sugar down. Essentially what you're doing is just continuing to make the problem worse. So if you've been in, if you're in those shoes, you may be in a situation that when you go to, you know, reverse this insulin resistance and you've got it, you know, under control and your blood sugar is, you know, fairly in a good place, you may find yourself in a situation where you have to follow a really strict diet for the rest of your life, almost like a ketogenic style diet, right? But there's some people who can actually, you know, if it wasn't that bad, they can come off it and they can live like, you know, a pretty normal life, you know, still obviously no sugar because at any point in time, you could blow this whole metabolic system back out of order, but you can at least add carbs back in and not struggle with that a whole lot. So regardless, like if you have type two diabetes, regardless of the situation, you can almost take it and get it fully under control by using natural supplements and also being strict with your diet. So the other thing that I think I, that's really important to mention with it is um, specifically doing high intensity interval training is very, very powerful for insulin resistance. And what I'll have patients do sometimes if they're suffering from insulin resistance in a bad way is do like five minutes a hit in the morning, five minutes a hit in the afternoon and like five minutes at night. Right. And maybe they're still throwing in their regular, like maybe I'm convincing them to exercise for 30 minutes to 60 minutes a day, but we're still throwing in those, those quick five minute bursts simply because it just helps utilize that sugar really quickly. And the good news is, is like, even if there's somebody who's at work, they can go and like, you know, go in the break room and rip out some pushups and air squats and stuff like that, not getting a full sweat, but just really push their muscles to, you know, take and utilize some of the sugar so that we're just keep forcing and forcing the blood sugar down, which ultimately helps lower inflammation, lower insulin, and the healing process can occur then. Yeah, I think it's really great that approach there, utilizing, you know, multimodality interventions to really tackle such a complex, you know, issue. And also, Nick, I'd love to I'd love to get your stance on on fasting. I know you've covered, you know, spoken about this quite a lot, but how would you go about implementing that into, you know, somebody's health and wellness regime? 
Yeah. I mean, if you're somebody who's never fasted before, I mean, any fasting is great to start with. Start with like, you know, and most people, let's just assume that you don't eat for eight hours when you're sleeping. So let's say you've already been doing eight, then try to go to 12. And if 12 is sitting well, go to 14. And, you know, if you're just up for the challenge, go straight to 16 and eight. And 16 and eight is pretty darn good, man. If 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 you follow 16 and eight, you're going to do really good for yourself. Um, right now, I'm currently doing 16 and eight five days a week. And then I do a 24 hour fast one day a week. And then I do nothing. I do no fasting one day a week. And the reason that I use this method is because in the research it's, well, let me back up. I found that it worked best in my life and I see a lot of patients and I do a lot of patient care. So I found that that was working really good in patient care in my own life. And then research came out on it saying like, Hey, you know, if you're just fasting and doing the exact same thing every time, every day of the week, like it starts to kind of not be as effective. And so what I always refer to it is I refer to it as metabolic confusion. And that's what I teach my patients is metabolic confusion. And you create metabolic confusion by doing like 16 and eight, maybe like 18 and six, one meal a day, nothing at all, no fasting at all. And you create this system where it's like your body's like guessing all the time. Like what the heck is this guy doing? You know, and it just creates some better results we've seen. So that's how I'd recommend doing it. I don't think that there's necessarily like a wrong way to fast or the perfect way to fast. I'm just telling you, I mean, I've, I've had over 20,000 patient visits in my career. I'm telling you based off what I see works and using a system where you're jumping around a little bit with the fasting method seems to be the best. But if, you know, it's not wrong to do 16 and eight straight through the entire week, you're going to get results. If you just want to get great results, do it the way that I'm recommending. Yeah, I really like that approach in terms of um, changing it up and introducing that degree of variety into somebody's, you know, regime. Because I think, as you said, the body does get used to that routine. So, like, constantly changing it up and shocking the body with, you know, introducing that confusion is a really smart approach. What about, I guess, um, in terms of, like, gut health? I know that's an area that, you know, you've spoken about quite extensively but what would you say like the main drivers behind like why so many people have such big issues in terms of gut health? Yeah. I mean, that's, I feel like it's complicated and there's so many factors involved right now. And this is where I do spend a lot of time and effort into trying to always understand better the problems with gut health and, and, and how to overcome them. The reason I think that it's important for me to understand how to overcome them is because I find that traditional Western medicine is awful at it, awful at it. You know, when I talk to somebody who has dealt with IBS for, you know, or let's, let's back up. If I talk to somebody who has had parts of their colon removed or they've had colon cancer, I'll ask them questions like, when did this all begin? And they'll be like, oh man, you know, I started having some gut issues when I was like 20. And then the doctor said it was IBS. And next thing you know, it led to colon cancer or it led to um, getting parts of their colon removed, some craziness, you know? So I think that most people are having gastrointestinal issues and their doctor's just sending them home. All right. You know, you got IBS, here's your diagnosis, go home. Well, what do I do about it? It's just the way it is. Or, you know, they give some other crazy medication. Like I had someone who was on antidepressants because of their gut issues. And it's like, what, you know, <laughs> is this because they think that the person's got a mental issue because they, you know, the doctor believed they didn't have gut issues. So they put them on antidepressants or do they think that the antidepressants were the solution? I don't know. Either way, 
Um, it, it has a lot to do with inflammatory problems. It has a lot to do with the food that people are eating. It's so complicated. There's also the problem that we don't eat from the land anymore. There's the problem with a lack of variety in some people's diet, like as far as like good, healthy greens and prebiotics and things of that nature. There's just so many issues involved with it that it's hard to put it to like one thing because it's it's very, very complex. And gut issues are extraordinarily complex even to overcome. Like when I'm working with people and, um, you know, they, sometimes people are just like, how did it happen? How do you think this all happened, Dr. Zorowski? I'm like, I don't know. All I know is we just got to fix it and come up with a solution for it. So the inflammatory issues certainly are a, a big one. And then, you know, the autoimmune issues are a huge one too. And then of course, the lack of understanding as to how to overcome them. I was talking to a guy today and, you know, we're actually putting together some copy for some stuff that we're doing with our own website. And, you know, he asked me, he goes, what do you think like, you know, the big three problems are, you know, and one of the things I had told him when it comes to gut health, one of the big three problems is that people just don't address them. They just let it go. They got gas, they got bloating, they got irritation, they got chronic diarrhea and they let it go. They're just like, uh, I don't know what to do about it. And sometimes their doctors are like, oh, IBS, go back home, <laughs> you know? And so they go home and they just live it out. And I mean, at the end of the day, I think a lot of people, it's an embarrassing topic to discuss, right? Like who wants to go and be like, hey, you know, uh, what do you think? I, I got diarrhea all the time, right? It's a kind of a taboo topic. So people don't like to talk about it. And um, then they just live with it and they get worse. These issues get worse and worse as people let them go. Mm. I think also important to note there, Nick, is um, I guess what does a healthy gut actually f- look and feel like in terms of like how might somebody present if they've actually got good gut health? Well, you'll be able to digest your food well, okay? You're going to get bloated every time you eat something. You aren't going to have pain all the time. A big factor of whether you have good gut health is, you know, like do you have diarrhea all the time, right? I mean, are, are you – you know, eating foods. And when you eliminate those foods, they look like they did when they went in, you know, like, are you digesting these foods? So a a good, well-functioning gut is not inflamed. It has micro uh, biome diversity. It um, is able to digest food well, you know, just doesn't cause problems for you. It doesn't give you all those nasty symptoms. And so that's really what it comes down to. Mm. What about in terms of um, sort of longevity and maintaining healthy aging? I know that's like quite a broad topic. I know incorporating a lot of these things you've mentioned, detoxification, health, exercise, Mm. stress. From a longevity perspective, I'd love to hear your stance here. Like what do you think forms part of that healthy aging response? Well, it's an interesting question. So I've spent quite a bit of time trying to figure that out. And it's interesting because from a nutrition standpoint, you see a lot of people who are a lot of very intelligent people like scientists. And they're like, there's one nutrient, right? It's this one nutrient, resveratrol. Resveratrol is the answer, right? And when you look at some of these studies and using resveratrol and how it reversed aging in mice and all these different things and helped lengthen the telomere. And uh, it's, you know, very fascinating, right? But, you know, when you look in general at people, right? Cause I see a lot of people. So I, I just watch 
people and what helps people age. And it's amazing to me how you can have a 70 year old or an eight, you can have an 80 year old that's like driving himself everywhere. And he's, you know, going out and about traveling, just living life. He looks great. Um, and, uh, you know, he looks like he's like 65 and then you can see the 65 year old and he comes in, he's hobbling in and, you know, he, he, his skin looks unhealthy and you're just like, it's unbelievable. And this is where you see this huge differentiation of people who took care of themselves and people who didn't take care of themselves as they age. Once you get up in that, like, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 mark. Oh my gosh. Like it's, it's so dramatic and the difference in people and uh, the quality of life that they have. It's unbelievable. And so you look at all these things, it's like, well, how was their stress, right? How was their lifestyle in terms of eating in the foods that they ate? What about, you know, did they exercise, right? Did they consume, you know, maybe a multivitamin or something like, did they have proper nutrition? And, and, and so you look at all these different factors and it really comes down to, you just have to put it all together. You know, I had this patient that I've seen for probably, you know, five years now. And, you know, when he first started, I obviously knew his age, but because I've taken care of him for so long, it just kind of went in the back of my head and didn't think much of it. But when I would see him, I'd always think, ah, oh, you know, he's like a upper thirties guy, right? He's like somewhere in his upper thirties. Well, like out of nowhere, I'm like, how, how old are you? Like, you know, the other day when I'm taking care of him, just, you know, in conversation, how old are you again? You know? And he's like 52 and it just blew my mind. It's like, this guy, it looks like a stud, man. He's super fit and just looks great for his, his age. And so, He's a guy who like used to own a CrossFit gym. So exercise is a big deal to him. Like that's probably the one that he hits the hardest is exercise. So you can't ignore it. So what I'm getting to is that I don't think that there's one thing. I think exercise is incredibly important in movement. I also think that nutrition is incredibly important. I think that solving problems as they arise, as you age is incredibly important, right? There's most, most devastating circumstances in healthcare come from people who avoided solving problems that they had, whether it's like joint health or inflammatory issues or gut health issues. It doesn't matter what it is. If you just said, I'm going to just put that away and you know, hopefully one day it goes away and I feel better. Those tend to become the really, really big issues later on. So solving issues as they come up. And um, if I had to break it down to a couple of nutrients, because I actually made myself a vitamin pack, we custom formulate vitamin packs in my um, health center. And I made myself one, one time that was focused on, you know, longevity. And I used curcumin for inflammation. I used resveratrol in order to help um, reverse uh, the aging process because there's a lot of research on the genetics and, and using resveratrol to reverse aging. And I also used methylation as well, because there's quite a bit of research on using a methylation formula to support aging as well. So I put that in with my standard probiotics and multi and, you know, omega fish oil, DHA, and all the things that I would take regularly. And I put that all together. And that was like my super anti-aging health pack that I took for a while. And so like, I'm always changing the vitamins I'm taking, but that's what I did when I was really focused on just what do I take if I want to be healthy and anti-age? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'd love to dive into, I guess, um, curious to know, Nick, like areas of research you're really excited to see more of, like what area within science or health are you excited to see more of? Yeah, it's the gut health area for sure. Because one of the things that 
is so critical to having good health is having good gut health. And it's a problem, like I said, nobody in Western traditional medicine understands. They just don't get it. Like they absolutely don't get it. So uh, they're, they're giving people antibiotics like it's Tic Tacs and they are destroying people's guts left and right. It's believed that if you take antibiotics just once, it's very difficult to actually get a good healthy microbiome after that. So one of the things that we've actually been doing, I was actually out at a conference in uh, Utah not that long ago, and it was all on gut health. And one of the things that was so fascinating is that they're actually able to take all these different probiotics and like grow these probiotics that are very specific to certain areas of your bodily health. So for instance, it's like probiotics that improve neurological function, like brain function and brain health. And those are who are dealing with like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and all these neurological disorders. And they have this like literally subset of probiotics that deal specifically with that. Then there's like a group of probiotics that are 100% based on immune function, like where people who had autoimmune disorders, they took these probiotics and this is what really moved the needle and helped them start getting the, the rashes to go away and get their immune system to calm down. Or there's like, you know, soil-based organisms and all these different probiotics that are very particular to the actual health problem. So this is cool because up until, you know, uh, just recent, you couldn't find a probiotic other than a generic one, right? So in my clinic, we're using very particular probiotics that are targeted at particular issues. So that's pretty cool. That's very exciting. And then the other thing is very exciting too, is that like you can actually take prebiotics that will help those probiotics grow. So what they're doing is they're basically taking in growing these particular probiotics. And then let's say it's an immune-based probiotic. And then they're making prebiotics that specifically feed those probiotics. And this is kind of an interesting science too. And it might seem like, oh, that's pretty simple. Of course you need prebiotics and probiotics, but no, you need very specific prebiotics to feed very specific probiotics. And so you can even take the prebiotic and not take the probiotic and you will inevitably help those immune-based organisms flourish in your body regardless of the probiotic. So, you know, that's one of the things that's super cool. That's kind of recent and new and up and coming, but yeah, it's really around gut health and in watching that because there's still severe, severe gut disorders that I work with. And it's like trying to rehabilitate them is very difficult. And so, I mean, most people that have gut issues, we can solve them pretty quickly in, in, in three to six months by just making some, you know, changes in, you know, lifestyle and, and supplements and stuff like that. But some of them are real severe, you know, it's like you take somebody who has cancer and their gastrointestinal system and, you know, trying to do the right thing can be very difficult at that point. But gut health is for sure the, the, the coolest thing that's happening right now. And I think it's the biggest thing because your gut health is key to solving these autoimmune disorders, to solving brain disorders and so many other problems. So, you know, it's really cool to solve these. Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, an area that I've um, I've turned on notifications on PubMed for a key search term, and that's psychobiotics. As you mentioned there, like the specific tailored targeted bacterial strains that are specifically going to affect neurotransmitters, neuroinflammation, maybe BDNF, GDNF. Yeah. I find yeah. that that's a really exciting area. How far off do you think 
like we are in terms of actually, would you, would you say in the next maybe one to two years, we're going to see more of this or? Yeah. So I think that they are pretty widely available now. One of my friends who's actually a brilliant researcher, Dr. Shane Morris, he has done some cutting edge stuff in this area. And so like a lot of them are available today, but it's, it's, it's going to get better and better. Like I know that even with what he's doing, he struggles in a lot of ways to actually go in and grow these different probiotics is pretty funny because like I was rousing him just yesterday because like, you know, there's particular probiotics that he kind of promised that would be, you know, packaged and ready to go. And I I want them in my clinic, like really bad. And, um, it's funny because he's like, man, I just, we're just struggling with these in this area. I'm like, what happened? Did somebody come through the facility with bug spray or something? Like you said, they're going to be ready. And uh, it's one of those things where they're trying really hard to continually push the boundaries in it, but it is complicated because they literally, to make these probiotics, I mean, they have to grow them all, right? And the problem that they've had a lot of times is like they grow them and then, you know, they die off before they're able to preserve them or, you know, they encapsulate them and they die off. And so they they have to go through this whole process to be able to actually get them from like lab to capsule to in your gut. And so, it's one of those things that it is a ever-changing science, but man, it's, it's pretty cool how far they've already come. Yeah. Yeah. I find that area like completely fascinating as well in terms of, um, like I said before, in terms of being very specific in terms of like, for example, psychobiotics that are known to maybe address anhedonia and or like neuroinflammation, upregulating neurogenesis, like that whole space is very, very exciting. And even as you mentioned there as well with the prebiotics, yeah, did you want to maybe like maybe sort of break that down for my listeners? Like maybe explain like what are these prebiotics and maybe give some examples of those. So yeah, the problem the prebiotics are basically just ground up veggies, you know, in fruits and veggies. And when you look at them, it's just very, I mean, honestly, it's like just veggies that you could go and buy at a grocery store, but they're, you know, very particular towards whatever organism it is. So off the top of my head, I don't like know the list of like which particular veggies are, you know, great for the neurobiome or the, the, um, immunological side of it, but the companies that I work with, what they'll do is they'll put it in a canister and it's just a powder and it's just ground up veggies. Some of them don't particularly taste very good, but they're like, look, we could have played the game where we, you know, put a bunch of sugar in these things. Like a lot of these other companies do like athletic greens and and make them taste delicious, but we just wanted a good, healthy product. So it, um, like I said, I don't have a list off the top of my head, but you know, in general, probiotics are your cruciferous vegetables, your leafy greens, and your your roughage more or less. And that is basically food for these bacteria that live in your gut. And these bacteria need food. And that's why people who are eating McDonald's every day and fast food and a bunch of garbage food, they're not properly feeding the bacteria. The bacteria doesn't have the food, the bacteria dies. And therefore, you're in a situation where um, <laughs> you're just, your gut health really deteriorates after that because you need this bacteria in your gut, this healthy microbiome in order to help you digest your food, keep down inflammation and keep you healthy over time. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Actually, one area that we sort of um, missed and skipped, I guess, is the circadian rhythm and maybe the importance of maintaining a healthy 
circadian rhythm and, and or, you know, high quality sleep. So maybe do you want to speak upon that? Yeah, I love high quality sleep <laughs> because like uh, I mentioned to you that I have, you know, four children and over time, like sleep has been a big thing for me. You know, most people say with one kid, like they don't get any sleep. Well, time's up by four and you really don't get to sleep. Um, so there was a time when I was really struggling with my health. My blood pressure was through the roof really bad. I was just having a real hard time. And it was frustrating me because I didn't know why it was happening. And I thought maybe it's my stress levels, which could have been a reasonable thing to look at. I just got out of school and start my career and all this stuff. So that would have been um, reasonable, but like, I couldn't seem to put my hand on it. I'd be like, okay, well I'll do, you know, meditation. I'll do deep breathing exercises. I'll do yoga. I'll do all these things. Try to calm me down. Right. It didn't really affect my blood pressure in a positive way at all. So then what I ended up doing is I went and bought a sleep monitor and I started monitoring my sleep and I realized, holy smokes, I was not sleeping at all. Like I would get like, you know, 30 minutes of deep sleep a night, which is enough to kill you. Um, <laughs> if, essentially, if you're only getting that much. So um, I, I wasn't sleeping well, just because I'm a very light sleeper. And so any little disturbance would wake me up. And so that was causing my blood pressure to skyrocket and for me to have a lot of problems. And so essentially, I started to get my sleep under control. Now, there's a couple of things that have really helped my sleep. For one, keeping my electrolytes up and balanced, right? Because I was exercising very hard at a period of time in my life to where I was, you know, I was training for Spartan races and I was doing these, you know, out in the heat of summer, two mile runs with, or sorry, seven mile runs with all this other like cross training in order to prepare for these big races. So I was dumping all these electrolytes and wasn't replenishing them properly. So getting my electrolytes up was a, a, a huge thing because that makes you sleep better if those are balanced out. Magnesium has been a game changer for me. Like I started taking magnesium at night. I'll take like two to 400 milligrams at night. And um, that helps so much. I literally get anxiety if I don't get my magnesium. And I specifically take one that helps go to the brain and, and calm your brain down and helps me sleep. And then what else helps my sleep? I'm trying to think here. I noticed that I need to go through like a sleep routine at night. Like I can't just like go, my wife can go and like, you know, be working on the computer and doing like her work. And then all of a sudden walk into the bedroom and bam, she's out. She sleeps perfect for me. Like I get all hyped up. Like I'm all aggressive <laughs> and, and like, we can't sleep after I've been doing some stuff like that. So I literally have to like, no more work after eight o'clock, calm myself down. Like I know my body and it for the longest time, you know, a lot of it's age related, but you can do whatever the heck you want. And you get away with it. And then a certain point in life, you can't do that anymore. And now you have to have, you know, harsh discipline and you have to do what you know works. And so I was in a position where I started, you know, kind of just no more work after eight, calm myself down, start relaxing a little bit and then use magnesium. And then the other thing you can do too, that really helps to um, support sleep is like, you could take fish oil at night and vitamin D at night that can help sleep. The other thing too, is taking like adaptogenic herbs 
during the day. So if you're like really got a screwy sleep cycle and your body doesn't know like night from day and all these things, taking adaptogenic herbs like morning and afternoon can be really helpful. And then my only other solution, uh, you know, to, you know, getting some good quality sleep that's simple. Okay. That's simple is making sure you're eating adequate protein. So you're not waking up in the middle of the night, hungry with blood sugar drops. Okay. And then after that, now things get crazy, right? You know, for females, as they start to age, we got to look at hormones because that is, you know, just destroys their sleep. And you know, people who have more insulin sensitivity issues can have some uh, further issues, but you know, it gets a little bit complicated. And when you start aging, this is when it typically gets hard. You hear a lot of different sleep tricks and tips like I'm giving you right now. They work pretty darn good for the younger individual. When you get in the 50 and up crowd, now we have to look at hormones and things of that, that actually give you better quality of life. And then you can start getting some results. I, you know, deal with women all the time who can't sleep at night. And it comes back down to looking at like estrogen and progesterone and, you know, um, thyroid hormones and all these things. And that is what's the game changer for these people. Yeah. What about in terms of um, melatonin supplementation? What's, What's your stance there? You know, I use it a little bit and I typically use it more from a hormonal perspective. Is it like when you start like trying to, you know, change DHA and all these different hormones, um, it, melatonin can be supportive in hormone control. But in general, like, I don't know, it's hit and miss. Like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it makes problems worse. You know, if I use it, I always use controlled release, meaning that like, instead of you just getting like a big hit of melatonin, it slowly kind of, you know, dissolves and and absorbs into your body and gives you like a long lasting effect. So it's one of those things where I'm not somebody who likes to use it long-term ever, but it can be useful. I personally use it typically only if I'm sick because melatonin is a very, very powerful antioxidant that's good for your entire body. Potentially there's argument now, which one's more powerful? Is it glutathione or melatonin? That's actually like something that uh, is kind of up in the air in the research, but um, I only use it under those circumstances. So it's really hit and miss is what I have to say about it. But if, if, if you're sick, use it. If you're having a hard time sleeping, give it a try. And it doesn't hurt to always give it a try. If it works, it works. And if it doesn't, then don't use it. Yeah, I have a very similar stance on melatonin in terms of um, when to deploy it under which circumstances. Um, mm-hmm. High doses, very potent, you know, anti-inflammatory and Mm-hmm. improves the immune system, like you mentioned. And then most ideally is recovering from jet lag, you know, just resynchronizing. Yeah. That's good. And then, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Whenever you deal with anything, you know, like a lot of times, a lot of times on the internet, you can find things like the one size fits all approach to everything. There's no such thing as a one size fits all approach to everything. It's really like you look at everything in how your body reacts to it and whether you need it and all these different things. So there's a lot to all these things, you know? So we just, we just always take it on a case by case basis. Um, and that's why it's like, when you hear me talk about this stuff, it's not that I'm wishy-washy on it. It's literally just depends on the situation, you know? And this is why, like I said, I love clinical practices because we actually do testing and we figure out hormones and we figure out, you know, people's blood work and their thyroid levels and in their gut health and do all these different analyses. And then we know exactly what to do. And there's, you know, hardly two situations alike, you know, whenever I work with people, it's literally, we take every situation and we target that we don't have blanket approaches for pretty much anything. 
Mm. So, Nick, this has been a, you know, really fantastic episode. I think my listeners, you know, would have learned a lot from what you had to say. But if they want to connect with you, go through some of your programs or learn about some of your products, like where can they find you online? Yeah, well, you can find me on any of the social media platforms. You can also go to my website, www.com. Uh, drz.tv. You can find me there. And then New Vision Health Center. So it'd be store.newvisionhealthcenter.com is kind of where the main place is. If you're interested in patient care, if you're interested in consulting with us, doing some of the lab testing we do and or genetic testing, whatever it is, you know, there's there's so much that we offer in the way of natural health and, and solutions. So, you know, no matter where you really are on the spectrum, we try to, you know, meet people where they are and, and help them in any way that we can. So those are some areas you can find me and uh, yeah, definitely look forward to uh, seeing how we can help anybody that listens to your podcast. Awesome. I'll make sure to leave those linked in the show notes, but uh, otherwise, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure having you. Hey, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you everyone for joining in to today's episode. For in-depth show notes and lessons learned, visit nofilter.media forward slash boost your biology. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.